Today on Legalese, we need to talk about why everyone losing their fucking mind over the Clarence Thomas concurrence in the Dobb case needs to shut the fuck up, calm the fuck down, read the fucking opinion, and take a fucking minute and look into the legal history behind the opinion because he is absolutely, completely, 100% fucking right. And the fact that the left feel justified devolving into a bunch of violent racist bigots over this is really a new low for them. Hey, greetings, welcome back to Legalese. I am your host, Bob. I just have a very quick video for you guys here today. Uh, this is going to be a very pleasant one, but I've got some other ones I'm working on today that I'm going to have out a little later, but I just, I really got to get this out. So, um, anyways, in his Dobbs concurrence, the senior associate justice, Clarence Thomas, reiterated what is an outlying view on precedent and his belief that all substantive due process decisions are demonstrably erroneous. The concurring opinion by Justice Thomas in Dobbs v. Jackson's Whole Women's Health Organization is certainly turning heads, and in his solo opinion, Justice Thomas has recalled for revisiting all of the Supreme Court's prior decisions that are holding unenumerated rights protected by substantive due process. It is a striking opinion, but it is also not anything new or radical. Well, okay, it may be a little radical, but it's nothing new. Now, look. Justice Thomas wrote separately in Dobbs to reiterate two positions that he has long held and that I have actually advocated here on this show a number of times over the years. First of all, that there is no substantive unenumerated rights protected by the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. And secondly, the Supreme Court should reconsider and overturn prior constitutional decisions that are demonstrably erroneous. That doesn't seem particularly radical to me, though I guess it is. Now, these are positions that, as I said, Justice Thomas has expressed many times before, uh, and these are opinions that his colleagues on the court have always refused to embrace, even when Scalia was around. The, the, Scalia uh, called Clarence Thomas a nut because of the way he goes after substantive due process. He's really in a minority here, but anyways. So, first, as far as the due pro uh, process clause goes, Justice Thomas has long argued, uh, consistent with much academic commentary, I might add, that insofar as the 14th Amendment incorporates enumerated rights against the states and protects unenumerated rights, that that work must be done by the Privileges and Immunities Clause and not the Due Process Clause. Going to his Dobbs concurrence, he says, Considerable historical evidence indicates that the due process of law merely requires executive and judicial actors to comply with legislative enactments and the common law when depriving a person of life, liberty, or property. See Johnson v. United States. Other sources, by contrast, suggest that due process of law prohibited legislators from authorizing the deprivation of a person's life, liberty, or property without providing him the customary procedures to which freemen were entitled by the old law of England. He goes on either way. The due process clause at most guarantees process. It does not, as the court's substantive due process cases suppose, forbid the government to infringe certain fundamental liberty interests at all, no matter what process is provided. Now, 
Now he goes on here to say, As I have previously, previously explained, substantive due process is an oxymoron that lacks any basis in the Constitution. Text and history provide little support for modern substantive due process doctrine, the notion that a constitutional provision that guarantees only process before a person is deprived of life, liberty, or property could define the substance of those rights, strains credulity even for the most casual user of the word. The resolution of this case is thus straightforward because the due process clause does not secure any substantive rights. It does not secure a right to abortion. Now, as he has repeated in his own citations from the Dobbs opinion here, and his prior decisions indicate this is not a new view, Justice Thomas did not say anything about substantive due process in Dobbs that he has not said plenty of times before. He also reiterated that some unenumerated rights may be protected by the 14th Amendment Privileges and Immunities Clause. And second, on precedent, Justice Thomas reiterates his long-held view that the Supreme Court should overturn any demonstrably erroneous constitutional decision, which really should not be a, a controversial view, um, and that overturning prior precedent does not require consideration of other stare decisis factors identified by the Court's majority opinion or also Kavanaugh's concurrence. And here is what Thomas had to say about that in Dobbs. Because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous, we have a duty to correct the error established by those precedents. Now, for a fuller explication of his view of precedent, it might be worth looking into Justice Thomas's concurring opinion in the case of Gamble v. United States, where he made clear his disagreement with the court's current approach to stare decisis. In my view, the court's typical formulation for a stare decisis standard does not comport with our judicial duty under Article 3 because it elevates demonstrably erroneous decisions, meaning decisions outside the realm of permissible interpretation over the text of the Constitution and other duly enacted federal law. It is always tempting for judges to confuse our own preferences with the requirements of the law, and the court's stare decisis doctrine exacerbates that temptation by giving the veneer of respectability to our continued application of demonstrably incorrect precedents. By applying demonstrably erroneous precedents instead of the relevant law's text, as the court is particularly prone to do, while expanding federal power or crafting new individual rights, the court exercises force and will, which are two attributes that the people never gave to it. Now, Justice Thomas went on to say uh, in Gamble to explain why he believes that the approach in constitutional cases is compelled by the nature of the federal judicial power of the Constitution. In short, he argued that the judge's duty in a constitutional case is very different from a judge's duty in a common law context. He says, given the primary role of the federal courts today is to interpret legal text with ascertainable meanings, Precedent plays a different role in our exercise of judicial power than it did at common law. 
He says, in my view, if the court encounters a decision that is demonstrably erroneous, i.e. one that is not a permissible interpretation of the text, the court should correct the error regardless of whether or not factors support overruling the precedent. Federal courts may, but need not, adhere to an incorrect decision as precedent, but only when traditional tools of legal interpretation show that the earlier decision adopted a textually permissible interpretation of the law. A demonstrably incorrect judicial decision, by contrast, is tantamount to making law and adhering to it both disregards the supremacy of the Constitution and perpetuates the usurpation of legislative power. Now he goes on to conclude. Our judicial duty is to interpret the law. This requires an adherence to the original meaning of the text. For that reason, we should not invoke stare decisis to uphold precedents that are demonstrably erroneous. Now, of note, Justice Thomas wrote for himself in Gamble, just as he wrote for himself in Dobbs, that whatever sympathy some other justices may have for Justice Thomas's view of substantive due process, there really is no indication that any of his colleagues share his view on stare decisis. Indeed, both Justice Alito's majority opinion and the concurring opinion held by Justice Kavanaugh both expressly embrace a multi-factor stare decisis that Justice Thomas has long rejected. And all the above help explain why I don't think we need to worry at all about Dobbs portending any threat of decisions such as Griswold or Eisenstadt or Lawrence or Obergefell or any of those other cases being struck down and feeling to be recognized as fundamental rights protected by the due process clause, they are simply unlikely to be reconsidered, let alone overturned, because frankly, I don't even believe they have the four votes to grant cert in those cases, let alone the five votes that it would take to actually overturn any of them. Anyways, that's really all I got for you uh, for right now, at least. Uh, like I said, I've got uh, some other videos coming up today uh, that will be more pleasant and more fun. I just I really had to get this out here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you want. Uh, leave me a hateful message in the comment if you want. I don't really give a fuck. Um, go ahead and hit the thumbs up, thumbs down button. Let me know what you thought. I really don't care. Um, anyways, uh, have a good day. I'll be back in a little bit. And of course, as always, Cartago de Lenda Est. Like ELO
motherfucker. 